Hey everybody, I'm Kate Conroy. And I'm Vanessa Vitello. And this is Other People's Business, which is the podcast from the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, the largest statewide business association in the country, representing about a million employees, which is about one quarter of New Jersey's workforce. We release a new episode every other Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. Shout out to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group. They do home, auto, and workers' comp, so check them out if you need some updated coverage. Awesome. Just a couple of housekeeping matters before we get this train rolling. This podcast is available just about anywhere you can get a podcast. That's iTunes, Google Play, Amazon's TuneIn. We even throw these things up on YouTube if you'd rather watch than listen. But no matter how you check the show out, show it some love. Give it that like. Give it that comment. Give it that five-star review on iTunes. Helps us get discovered by more awesome listeners who you would be surprised to find are a lot like you. <laughs> so with all that out of the way, our awesome guests today from Veris are Mark Eveland and Michelle Benton. Say hi, let the audience hear your voices. Hi guys, how are you doing? Awesome, how are you? Fantastic. Hey Vinny, hi Kate. Hi. Thanks for having us on today. Pleasure's all ours. It's absolutely our pleasure. Okay, so today's icebreaker is, what are you currently binging? And it can be books, movies, TV. Some people have used food. We don't judge, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wants to go first? Oh gosh, well, you'll get a, a twofer with me because I am uh, currently binging on these little things called Nightingale ice cream bars, ice cream sandwiches. Ooh. And so somebody gave them to us for Christmas and I'm thinking, oh, ice cream sandwich. They're like those yucky things, you know, from elementary school. These are so divine. They have, um, raspberry truffle with a chocolate cookie bar dipped in chocolate. So my favorite thing to do on that, um, you know, cut one in half, let it melt a little. So it's like marshmallowy and uh, depends on whether my husband's home or not as to what I, I binge. So yeah. <laughs> if he's gone, I've been on Frankie and Grace or Grace and Frankie because uh, yep. I just think that's what my life is going to be. <laughs> at some point. With living any with luck, my, right? <laughs> yeah. Living with my uh, best friend from law school and you know the the um, episode that they had where Grace cannot get off of the Italian sofa because it's so low to the ground and her knees yeah. give out and she can't get up. I'm looking over at my new sofa going, hmm, I should really rethink that. Um, <laughs> but Wait, I, want, I want to double back for a second. Wait, tell me the name of the ice cream sandwich thing. We need the brand name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. no, I'm, I'm all on board for this. Like, Nightingale, you said? Nightingale. Nightingale and Gold Belly has them. Um, they have an assortment box with like birthday cake and chocolate mint. Oh, fat banana. That's a great one because the cookie on that one is uh, a peanut butter cookie with the banana in the middle of it. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely sold. I, I just want to um, defend the original ice cream sandwich for a second that you called gross. Those things were amazing. <laughs> I don't care. Like, this sounds like it's 10 times better, and I'm, I'm all oh, for yeah. it. But, like, you know, I, I feel like to besmirch the good name of the original ice cream sandwich <laughs> just feels overly harsh. <laughs> well, sorry, but I was, like, the Eskimo pie, you know, fan yeah. there because I could peel the chocolate off of the ice cream. I had forgotten about Eskimo pies until you just said that because that, that was the one with the hard uh, chocolate shell, right? 
right. it was almost crunchy when you ate it. Yeah, that sounds and so fantastic. I was, like, no, the crunchy chocolate offers. Oh my god, it's like winter, and I am dreaming about ice cream thanks to you. This is crazy. I am not going to tell my wife about. This. <laughs> so <laughs> one last the box. If you've got like a second freezer somewhere in the house that gets like um, you know used less, hide the thing in there. The nightingales, whatever, they can be exclusively yours. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Two extra freezers, actually. You know, one has my husband's snacks, and the other has. <laughs> just the ice cream so so They're one last follow-up question on the ice cream can you buy nightingale ice cream bars in a regular grocery store or are they like order online like where do you procure such a thing can you order ice cream online is that a I thing i went to their website after I was like digging the wrapper out of the garbage from the friend that gave us like one to taste. Like, hold on, what was that? And I'm like, oh man, I forgot the name of it. So I'm going to the garbage, I get the little wrapper out, find it, log on, and they change their flavors every month. So they have like a flavor of the month. And so I go, oh, like, okay, I'm gonna get a box of these, box of those. And you cannot buy them from the Nightingale website, but they tell you where the retailers are. And you can't get cold belly. And they can't, I mean, they were like frozen solid. So. Well, this is changing my whole world. Thank you for that. <laughs> Mark. Mark, what are you binging? I've been, well, sticking with the ice cream thing. Um, I love ice cream too, yeah. but not ice cream sandwiches. So It's um, winter somewhere. <laughs> this, may not, this may not appeal to a New Jersey audience, but I'm a Penn State grad. And the Penn State Creamery is pretty famous. And you can actually order, and they will ship it anywhere in the country or the world for that fact. Um, and it's amazing ice cream. And I do that on a not infrequent basis. How do they ship it? Is it just um, yeah. like a dry ice box shows up at your house they, or something? They pack it in dry ice, enough to endure the journey to your front door. And it shows up frozen solid. Uh, I've never had a shipment that was melted when it arrived. Wow. What will they think <laughs> of? I know, right? I never, not even in my wildest dreams did I ever consider that I could get ice cream in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll do one better than that. Last year, we found gourmet popsicles for a friend and had those shipped to him. I mean, like champagne. I got to be a champagne when we're done. I want to find out all, because you've got all these gourmet <laughs> options. I'm going to like give you all the bad things that I love to eat. And you're going to be like, well, here's the even the 10 times better gourmet version of that thing. The grown-up <laughs> version, yes. My other binge. Fine. <laughs> My other binge is a little more pedestrian. It's, it's Swedish fish. Uh, oh, since I was, yeah. It's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, swish. Very. I had a, I had a paper route as a kid, and there was a penny candy store on my paper route, which I would yeah. stop in on my way home every day and buy a bag of Swedish fish, count them out one at a time. And to this day, I'm addicted to the thing. I always have lemon heads in my kitchen somewhere, stashed away, lemon heads. I'm with you, that old penny candy, no beating it. Is there a gourmet version of Swedish fish, Michelle? There may not be a gourmet version of Swedish <laughs> fish, but several years back, I was with a girlfriend that's got a bigger sweet tooth than I do, and we were in uh, Telluride, and there is a, like a penny candy, old-fashioned candy store in the middle of 
Telluride and you can get, remember the little cigarettes that you, that they had when you were yeah. a kid, fake cigarettes and then the wax bottles yeah. that the stuff was just so nasty. Yeah, it was. Like that. So. <laughs> oh my God. Too funny. Hey. All right. Oh, I was going to say your name, but okay. You beat me to it. Uh, I am currently binging, um, not food, but better things. Are you, do you remember that show, Better Things on FX with uh, Pamela Adlon? She was guest starring on Louie with Louis C.K. way back in the day. And then she got her own show and it recently came back for their final season. And out of curiosity, I went back and started from the beginning, season one, episode one, just to see if it held up. And it is so good. It's on Hulu right now. And I'm watching as many episodes a night as I can. And I will say that I am uh, someone who will chronically watch a show while I'm like doing this on my phone. And mm -hmm. that show captures my attention. I am not tempted to scroll while I'm, I'm watching better things. It's so good. So good. Awesome. Yeah. What about you? What are you binging? I've actually been binging uh, Dharma and Greg for the last like few weeks. Um, it was Talk one about. of those things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An oldie but a goodie, like, you know, it was one of those things where I've never found it on any of the other streaming networks. We only just recently um, signed back up with Hulu after, I, I don't know, a few years of it being, you know, out of the house. And uh, I, it, they recommended it to me and I was like, heck yeah, I want to watch that. So sometimes in your life, you know, you're not looking for like a breaking bad. You just want something <laughs> funny and cute and sweet. And I think with everything going on in the world, you know, like I was just, at a point where I could use something just kind of nice and wholesome and it, it worked out. I don't know. I like it. I yeah. Like it. But that aside, tell us what you guys do at Varus. <sighs> I'll let Mark jump She's not meant to be a stunt <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Not everybody jump what, at once. <laughs> what do we do? Uh, well, Varus started off um, about 20 years ago as a company that was focused on managing large settlement funds created for the benefit of people who've suffered from uh, occupationally related injuries, uh, largely around asbestos exposures. But over the course of the last 20 years, we've built out a set of core capabilities that lend themselves to other work, um, including as part of uh, providing the service for managing those settlement funds, we built out a, a pretty crack team of accountants and finance professionals. Um, and also uh, legal expertise. But those accounting and finance professionals have developed a specific expertise in some um, very uh, specific areas of the tax code. And Michelle and I have known each other um, since, oh, mid-90s or so. We've been working together off and on. Um, and we, we connected uh, last year with some ideas about around the, the CARES Act and some of the programs created in the CARES Act and um, started talking through how we could work together to support small businesses. Um, and I don't want to steal Michelle's thunder, but she did a lot of work for a lot of small businesses um, um, over the years. And um, we came up with this idea that we had all of the, the, the necessary ingredients to be able to help businesses determine their eligibility for the employee retention tax credit and actually help support them in the process of filing with the IRS to receive those refunds. Um, so we launched 
a new practice area in the fall of last year. And since there, then we've been helping small businesses around the United States in, in accessing these federal funds that have been set aside to support small businesses with recovering from the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. That's awesome. I know when, when COVID broke out, um, we were doing webinars, I say we, Kate and I, but NJBIA, were doing webinars on how to access that kind of information. And I can tell you thousands of people were showing up asking thousands of questions per webinar. You know, I had the Q&A box open and it was just twice a second a question would come through. This was something that was outstandingly confusing, outstandingly difficult to a lot of people. So God bless you guys for helping people out with that. Yeah. My God. I was actually going to say, you know, for if in case somebody listens to this five years from now, we should explain what the CARES Act is because, <laughs> you know, legislation comes and goes so quickly. But, um, but yeah, that's incredible. And, and business is still going strong. Like people are still asking questions and needing help. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, and Michelle may want to take this one and explain what the CARES Act is and why people are still asking questions about this because please. it's been it's been evolving over the course of the pandemic. Yeah, please do. Right. And even the professionals are still asking questions because there have been so many changes since it first came out. But when the CARES Act came out, of course, everybody heard about the PPP funds that were available to businesses. And a lot of banks and CPA firms kind of spearheaded the effort contacting clients and customers and helping them actually sign up for that because they were getting an origination fees to, to do that. So they were very well versed in it, motivated to get people moved into the PPP. And it was the more lucrative of the two programs at the time. And when that CARES Act first came out, they said, well, you can pick one or the other, the PPP or the employee retention tax credit. You cannot do both. And then as time went on, a few months later, they changed the rules and said, okay, now you can receive both. We're going to make it retroactive as if you could have always received both. Well, we're just not going to tell anybody that now you can receive both. <laughs> um, so that was the, the first big change. And, you know, that first act didn't give a whole lot of guidance. I mean, we all know how clear the government is. So it was a very convoluted program to start with. But now Mark and I have had the benefit of, you know, 20, 22 months of CARES Act being out and the IRS issuing this guidance along the way that actually helps interpret the original plan that was so difficult to understand. But it really is a quite specialized area. We also represent several CPA firms that just said, you know, hey, this is so specialized. We're not really sure that we understand all the ins and outs. So would you help our clients with the program? So we have been doing that quite a bit lately. Did you both find that it was hard keeping up with it too? I mean, as, as confused as a lot of business owners were, was it hard for you guys? Because like you said, you know, they're, they're changing the rules as it's going along. You know, it's pretty much all I'm doing these days. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it's a little easier for me to keep up 
than it probably is for Mark since he's stretched in. But I've since learned that Mark, I don't think ever sleeps because I get text emails from him at all hours of the night. So Mark definitely keeps me on my toes and, and keeps me going. But it has been such a remarkable program and godsend to our clients that it really motivates me to stay on top of it because this employee retention tax credit, it offers business owners up to $26,000 per W-2 employee that they have. Wow. Right. And it's, it, it is, you know, not a loan or a grant like the PPP. So the uses of it are not restricted. So it doesn't have to go necessarily just to payroll. If you have employers that want to upgrade their equipment and their infrastructure, this allows them to do that so they can grow their business. Yeah. As Michelle said, it really is a godsend for a lot of small businesses uh, who have, who are trying to get back on their feet after the last two years. And we've worked with a lot of companies that have been in various levels of distress, and they really they really uh, appreciate the money we've been able to find for them. Are there limitations on the kinds of businesses that can that you can help? Not, I mean, not small businesses. That's why I, I ask. You know, uh, the limitations aren't specific to any one industry. They're more to do with the size of the business. So the CARES Act originally created the program and, and made it eligible for uh, open to any business with fewer than 100 full-time W-2 employees. Um, now that's full-time, not part-time. Part-time employees can exceed that 100 count. Um, in the end of 2020, the uh, American Recovery Plan Act was passed and, and they actually extended the eligibility for the 2021 tax year. They expanded it dramatically now it's open to any business with fewer than 500 full-time W-2 employees. Wow. Oh, okay. So it, this, is, this is a program that covers a, a large swath of employers in the United States. So what, what is the bigger... Sorry, Ben, go ahead. No, no, you... So at this point, what is the bigger part of your business? The CARES Act stuff or like everything else? I have to believe CARES Act has just taken over your life. Uh, the CARES Act stuff is, is as Michelle said, she's spending 100% of her time on it, and I'm probably spending 50% of my time on the CARES Act work right now. Incredible. So it's significant. <laughs> but it's also a significant benefit to our clients, and that's, that's what keeps us going. Yeah, I don't blame you. All right, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. And welcome back. And now we're going to ask a second get to know you question. And today that question is, are you a morning person or a night person? I think we started with Michelle last time. So let's go with Mark first now. Yes, Mark, well, you're up. I think Michelle already dimed me out. I'm definitely a night owl. Um, <laughs> you do not expect to get me on a, in a meeting before at, at a minimum eight in the morning. Um, and even that's pushing it. Yeah, but I, but I was gonna so, say I don't even understand morning people. Like I don't get you know anything about it. That's not true. I'm a morning it's, person, it's, and you and I are like almost besties at this point. Yes, but I don't understand that part. Like, okay, so I here's what I don't understand about you. So okay. we get off work what like five six o'clock ish, right? And you're yeah. in bed like eight o'clock ish. 
You watch a lot of TV. How do you do. like do that? Like, are you up okay. at four o'clock in the morning watching TV? No, but I'm up at five o'clock in the morning and I start work by like seven thirty, eight o'clock. And I have, I, I just, I have this thing where my brain after starting at seven thirty, my brain is just done by four o'clock. So at four o'clock, I literally walk away from the laptop. I sit myself on the couch I turn on the TV and I, I monitor my work using this lovely device here. And every once in a while I work later than four o'clock, but mostly my brain is done. I like, I don't make good decisions after four o'clock. In fact, okay. earlier this week, president and CEO, Michelle Sakarka asked me for Shout something. Out Shout out to Michelle. And I should have waited. She did not tell me that it was an emergency. She didn't say it was a rush job, but I was like, it's Michelle. I want to get this back to her. There was like a giant typo in it. I should have waited because my brain was done for the day. So yeah, that's how I watch that much TV. Michelle. <laughs> well, I used to be the night owl, but then when you start you know, getting to that age where the numbers start with fives, I find myself getting up earlier and earlier and earlier so kind of like Kate get up you know at the gym by seven start work um, eight o'clock yes eight o'clock is a good bedtime and uh, we had this little dog until very recently bless her little heart but eight o'clock was her bedtime too and if you weren't ready to go to bed she would walk off down the hallway, sit beside the bed, stare up at the bed until you walked in and put her up. <laughs> and if you weren't fast enough, she would come back down the hall and give you one of those looks like, I disapprove of you so much right now. So, wow. yeah, 8 o'clock, good bedtime. I but think so. Between, so between Michelle and I, we pretty much have 24-hour coverage for right? our Right? Like, <laughs> there we go. I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it's the sort of thing where I, I, I can go, let's say like one or two o'clock in the morning. If I were to be up at that point, that's when I could start feeling tired. And then I have to get up early because we get my daughter out to daycare around seven, but then I'll dive back into bed and I've got this work down to a science. Like during the, um, the pandemic, you know, while I'm working at home, you know, I don't have to be on the computer until nine and I don't have to look podcast beautiful so i can get out of bed at like 853 or like you know 849 still get a shower in and get to the computer in time but yeah like if if only we could really you know tailor the times we're working to what's actually like functional for our brains people say that but then when you like when i have to collaborate with kate at 9 a.m you know it, it never works out so yeah. to be fair i haven't made you go to a 9 a.m meeting in a long time She's right. I, <laughs> I make an exception. I have a morning huddle with my team at 8 a.m. every day. But wow. it's 10 minutes long, and then I take a nap. Yeah. And okay. I don't really start until 9, 9.30. I can't. <laughs> I, well, I have a confession to make, Mark. On our Tuesday morning, what is it, 8 o'clock? Well, 9 o'clock for you, 8 o'clock for me, conference calls. There yeah, wait, wait, wait. Where are you both located? I'm in Biloxi, Mississippi. And Mark? Mark? Uh, Princeton, New Jersey. Oh, okay. So, Michelle, so yeah, you... is, is that um that time difference hard? Uh, we haven't had any difficulties with it. It's an hour difference, and we're we're an hour ahead. Um, now the static 
So, like I said, that yeah. conference call, it's 8 o'clock for me. So, there have been okay. a couple of times I've, you know, been in the PJs. Here's my <laughs> thing. Here's my thing. In well, order you typically need a baseball cap and, and a T-shirt. <laughs> no judgment. But here's the thing. In order to be able to think properly for that 8 o'clock or even 9 o'clock, I would need coffee. And after I've had coffee, I cannot go back to sleep. How do you do that? Practice? <laughs> I, I have built up a caffeine resistance that you wouldn't believe. I, I drink coffee all day long, and it doesn't affect me anymore. Well, the meeting's only 10 minutes. I think I could pull it together for 10 minutes before dot because he says he dives right back into bed afterwards. Exactly. So, yeah. I've, got a, I've got a team full of morning people, so I have to throw them a bone now. And then. So they're like, okay, I'll get up and I'll talk to you at 8 o'clock, but you've got 10 minutes. All right. but. Speaking of the different time zones in different areas of the country, one of the things I wanted to ask about before, um, you guys had mentioned that you do this nationally. Did you find anything specific about your experiences with New Jersey while doing this? Um, that's an excellent question. Um, New Jersey, which won't come as a surprise to a lot of the businesses located in New Jersey, was one of the states with more restrictive government orders that put a lot of restraints that on- That sounds right. On <laughs> way businesses had to do had to operate over the course of, of the pandemic you know starting in mid-march through even today um you know, many of the government orders have been lifted but we're still dealing with some of the after i know in in, uh, in my own business we had we had limitations on the hours of operation and how many people we could have in the office at any one time and those limitations stayed in place until not too long ago um and in addition to that we're dealing with some Right, and I noticed that as well. In Mississippi, our government orders expired in March of 2021. And when we look at businesses, New York and New Jersey, most of those were impacted through May. And even more recently, they're reenacting some of those capacity restrictions, testing. Um, restrictions but you know I mean I felt like a pariah at some point during the pandemic when all of these states started enacting orders um, saying okay well if you're coming from Mississippi you have to quarantine when you get here <laughs> uh, New York did that uh, the city of Chicago did it so there yeah. I'm finding there are much more restrictions in the uh, the Northeast part than what I had to deal with in the South so that, of course, has impacted your businesses there more than it's impacted the businesses that I'm seeing in the South. Right. All, all of which creates potential eligibility for the ERTC because it's a, it's a very facts and circumstances specific assessment around how those government mandates affected your particular business. Yeah, we've, um, we've talked about this a lot um, at BIA, not necessarily on this show, about how crazy it could be where on one side of a bridge, you know, you could have certain regulations and then on the other side of the bridge in Pennsylvania, you could have completely different regulations, but you could be, you could have two businesses on both sides of that bridge, like two blocks away from each other, you know, running the same kind of businesses on entirely different sorts of, you know, rules. Well, and what we've noticed is that businesses have different impacts depending on which counties they're in. For example, I know that Mark lives in 
you know, one county and works in another county and the impacts that he sees in those two different counties are different. Um, we faced that in Mississippi as well. We had some counties that had more capacity restrictions. You know, we could only have 25% capacity in restaurants in some cities and other cities allowed 75% capacity. And, you know, I'm proud of the work that Veris GP does in tailoring our service to the particular business. And we go beyond just saying, okay, all restaurants in New Jersey are treated equally. We look at the particular business because there may be some restaurants that made the transition to takeout and their business was less impacted than the restaurants who, you know, didn't do a takeout service and waited for the government order on in-room dining capacities to be restricted. So that's part of our analysis is to look at it, each business separately. And while we can see that certain industries are more impacted than others, um, that doesn't mean that every business is going to suffer the same impact. Yeah, really good All point. Right. I got two other questions here. So one, anything coming up you guys want to promote? Well, I know we're going to be doing a series of webinars. I believe that Mark's going to put that on our Veris GP website, which you can find at www.verisgpllc.com. And then the other one, if somebody wants to apply, how can they uh, get a hold of you? Well, there's also a link on that particular website that you can click and ask for a consultation. And Mark or I or our various GP staff will reach out to you uh, in response to that. Or you can email to info at verisgpllc.com or directly to me at mbenton at verisgpllc.com. Cool. Nice. One, one quick addition. Uh, Veris GP is doing a webinar for NJBIA. This episode will drop after that webinar wraps up, but the recording of the webinar will be on NJBIA.org. So if you want to view it, you should definitely feel free to come find it. Awesome. Absolutely. Excellent. All right, so I think that's the show. Thank you to our listeners, especially the subscribers. We so appreciate the support. Thank you to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group, the official sponsor of the show. They do home, auto, and workers' comp, so check them out. And finally, thanks to Mark Eveland and Michelle Benton, co-founders of Veris GP, for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you thanks. both. Big thank All you right. to you, Kate, you, Benny. Thanks. Absolutely. Oh, we'll see you next thank time. Thank you. Bye.